You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> An undisclosed location by the Laugh Factory. This is a Monday night. We just did a show here, and uh, I have as my guest uh, John Henson. Round yes, of applause sir. for John Henson. All crew. right, thank you. There's thank you. That, that's the story <laughs> of my career, right there. Three people and one guy snapping. <laughs> so, uh, so John, I actually I don't want to say I grew up with you because it makes me sound much. Uh, younger than I actually am, because we're actually probably similar in age. Let's and not talk I about was that. about to say more appropriately, younger than me, which is the <laughs> hurtful part. Yeah. So, uh, and l- let's. Uh, I first knew about you in Talk Soup, right? That yep. was sort of the, the the thing that kind of brought you out to uh, the mainstream. And uh, let's talk about how, how did that. First of all, let's talk about your set tonight. How did it go? Because I just went there and told a uh, bunch was, of jokes uh, about my dick. Was, were you there? Did you hear the first thing I said? Okay. Yeah. So, so just I'll, I'll I'll start this with saying that I went up there and I was very very dirty, <laughs> and this is an early show on a Monday, and uh, I talked about opening act, first opening guy act, on stage. first guy on stage. I talked a lot about sex, and I did talk about my dick a lot. Not in a. Fl- not in a flattering, flattering way, to be honest. I definitely it wasn't as much whether or not it was flattering. It was just, I think, the amount of your set that you dedicated <laughs> to it. It was a dick-centered set, to be honest. Okay, so then, John, you go on. What was the first thing you say when you go on the, stage? The first thing I said was, uh, uh, "Geez, I, uh, the first thing, I, or I, normally I get on stage and talk about Bill Dawes' dick for twenty minutes, <laughs> and he just did all my best material, <laughs> which killed, by the way. So they are obviously overhearing about my dick. So, um. <laughs> How the rest? Because then you start talking about now, now, John. You're like, whenever I n- meet people in comedy who are like real human beings who have like families and kids, I'm always a little, I'm always a little impressed. Um, so, uh, you are you're married, right? I am. Uh, I am married, and I I do know what you're talking about because I I'm late to the game. I got I became a parent relatively late in life, and I feel like I devoted like the first, you know. 45 years of my life to bong hits and dick jokes and then <laughs> and then it was like the responsibility bill was served and now it's just nothing but fucking like manning up and being responsible for the rest of, of my course. life. Of course. And now and how long have you been stand up comedy? Uh I started when I was 20. Oh wow. So let's get back to that. How did you start stand up? How did that I come started back to you? in college. I was at Boston University and my freshman year at BU uh, we started an improv troupe and it was like the uh, late 80s and stand-up was starting to really explode. Yeah, pretty you know? Boston, yeah. Um, this was like right around the era of the movie Punchline and like yeah. comedy clubs were popping up all over the yeah. country. And like I love doing improv and stand-up seemed like the next logical yeah. extension of trying shit out. And uh, I did like, you know, 10 open mic nights and dropped out of college immediately. Oh, really? After my so you're like, this year. is what I want to do. You figured yeah. that at age 20. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't as much like I figured out what I wanted to do as much as I wasn't really good at anything else. Yeah. Like I was failing out of college and it was just, it seemed like, it seemed like a good fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, hmm, sleep until noon, smoke pot all day, I'm in. <laughs> this is a racket, yeah. man. Let me, let me do this. I always feel like people say like, if you, same thing with acting, they say, if you can do anything else, do it. Yeah, do and that. That's always, and I don't know if that's the gatekeepers trying to, keep people out of the business or if that's a real 
legitimate piece of advice? Well, you know, I heard somebody say, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of who it was. Some celebrity would say, you know, when people would say, hey, I'm thinking about moving out to L.A. to become an actor, he would say, don't. Yeah. And the, his rationale was, um, if that's enough to stop you, you were you weren't going to make it anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, that's and I, true. I just saved you a few years of your life. Like, that's actually that's the best thing I've heard about that the response to that. So you're you're 20. You did 10 open mics. Yeah, and you said fuck. And then it, I you called dropped my out of dad. College. I called my dad, uh, who was on the board of regents for public education oh, in wow. Massachusetts. And told him I was dropping out of college to become a comedian. And how did that go? Not as well as I had <laughs> hoped. Um, my dad, you know, both my parents are from Arkansas, and my dad was like very, you know, hard nosed businessman, and it was, he, it was, <laughs> it was not a popular decision, man. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty crazy to hear that you, because you were twenty at the time, so you're probably your last year of college. You maybe it junior? was my sophomore year because sophomore I year. Uh, I spent five years in high school. I okay. didn't have the greatest <laughs> academic career going in. Yeah. I repeated my junior year of high school, and for the record, you need to really shit the bed to to get thrown <laughs> out of a public high school. Yeah, um, and uh, and I did that. Yeah. So, um, I don't think it necessarily came as a surprise, but I I remember my dad. Uh, you know, I told him at lunch and he was like, all right, man, I think that's great. Good luck. And I called all my brothers and I was like, he was so cool about it. And they were like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and the next morning he called me at like 630 and uh, he goes, uh, hey, I just want to let you know, uh, I just canceled your health insurance. I figure now that you're on your own, Whoa, you'll want to handle really? that on <laughs> your own. <laughs> and, uh, you know, best of luck. Click. Wow. And uh yeah, it was uh it was a it was a deep end kind of a thing, you know. Okay, so what point did your dad ever come around? What what's what's up with you? Well, now he's like, "Oh, he knew he was funny." Yeah. You know, but uh <laughs> but it was, you know, no, it was it was he was he was like uh, he was a little brutal, man. He was uh I've talked about this before, but like you know, my dad was uh, uh it's a dark story, but I Yeah, like, let's uh, hear it. Dark. We like dark. At, I like I, when I was maybe 23 or 24, I had my college girlfriend that I was still with at my parents' house for uh, Christmas dinner. I have four older brothers. They were all there with their wives. Christmas dinner. And my dad goes, uh, look around my house. Uh, you see the art on the walls. You see the new cars in the driveway. You'll never own anything like it as long as you Whoa. live. You'll never own your own home. He said during Christmas dinner. You'll never drive a brand new car. I've seen the entire fucking world. You're never going to leave the United States. Your kids are going to grow up in an apartment. They won't go to college. I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, my dad said, uh, I'm just letting you know what kind of life you're choosing for yourself at Christmas dinner. At man. Christmas dinner. And you're like, I can still wake up at noon and smoke weed every day. It's cool. Yeah, 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 exactly. How soon after you started stand-up did he say that to you? By the way, this About is Tommy years. This is Tommy Wakefield. He is the producer Hi. of... Yeah, uh, hey, of Tommy. Um, uh, yeah, like three years, three, four years. Um, you know, I was just starting to work the road and stuff. And How did you go from doing the 10 open mics to all of a sudden becoming a paid professional? I moved to New York, and there were just a shitload of comedy clubs, and I, I got in good with Barry Katz at Boston Comedy Club. I uh -huh. was emceeing a lot there. And did he represent you? Nope, never did. 
Never had um, but I was uh, I was one of those guys that you know he was good enough to give a lot of work to, and then I got into the comic strip and the uh, the late Lucian Hold, who yeah. I owe a lot to. Legend, uh, yeah, yeah, that dude really like made room for me, you know, sort of grew me. It was like back during an era where I don't know if this really happens anymore. I don't know if it really happens out here. Um, maybe it still happens in New York, but like. You know, club owners would like take dudes under their wing. They yes. would pick guys and go, "All yeah. right, I'm going to develop you. I'm going to give you stage time." And and um, so I got I got lucky pretty early. I was able to um, to get a bunch of stage time, and then I started. I got a good college. Well, I got a terrible college agent, but a guy that got me a lot of work and. Uh, and I was able to make a living pretty quickly after yeah. a few years. And you were, and you were doing a lot of the road then, huh? And this I was time doing the a lot of colleges, just, yeah. Are you doing a lot of colleges? Yeah. Do you still colleges. do colleges? No, no, no. Yeah, a lot of comics don't do colleges now because the environment is just way too crazy. Yeah, and it's just a young dude's game. They want to see somebody that doesn't look like their dad. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, just dye your hair. And, you um, know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a problem. Um, but no, I, I got uh, I got lucky and I was, I was, you know, working, doing, you know, I got passed at all the clubs in New York and was... Um, you know, I wasn't like a giant act there, but I was, I was established. And then I got, I got talk soup in 95. Yeah. So how did talk soup come about? Cause I, I guess I, when I, first time I saw you at the laugh factory, I didn't really know that you did stand up, honestly. I'd known yeah. you from talk. I mean, most I guess people most people don't know that I do stand up, honestly, yeah, really. But, like but, most people know me from TV. But it's crazy because you're also kind of like, you're a little bit of a household name. Like people know you well. from, from talk soup and it's then a low income household if you're talking about it yeah <laughs> yeah and also and also uh, and i'm then, more about a, i'm more of like a, <laughs> a house apartment name <laughs> hey, that's good enough i was a little bit starstruck when i saw you so so uh how did uh talk soup happen how did that come about uh do they you know I, I was a giant fan of talk soup i was like a religious talk soup fanatic yeah and um and everybody I knew auditioned for it. They were doing. They did a massive search when Greg Kinnear announced that he was leaving, yeah. and um, and uh, and like you know, they looked at like three thousand. I was people. about to say that was uh, huge. When Greg Kinnear did yeah, it, it was enormous. They did. Uh, they looked at three thousand people in five cities over eighteen months. Is yeah. what I heard. And they so they. Uh, but like every fucking comic I knew, e even people that weren't comics were you know, uh, auditioning. And, um, I remember, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've told the story, but it's like, I, I remember being like, dude, I, you know, I feel like if they would ever let a nobody host the show, this is something I'd be good at. And I, I went and I did the audition. I came home and told my girlfriend, like, I think that went really well, you yeah. know? And then I didn't hear anything for like eight months. And, uh, wow. That's and then I got a call saying, Hey, you got a call back. And I was like, what? is that still alive? And they were like, yeah, no, they said they really liked you. And I remember coming home from the callback and going, I think I did even better on the yeah. call. But, you know, it was one of those things. And then uh, weeks went by and I was watching Monday Night Football in my underwear and somebody <laughs> called me and said, you know, it was a Monday and they were like, can you be in L.A. Wednesday and host the show Friday? Whoa, to, so to you guest only host. had one callback and they and they, they booked you just they, one They booked me to guest host. And I guest, guest hosted host, like it. four times at the end of 94 like the fall of 94 and then um got the job and started january 2nd 1995 oh wow and how long did that that run for you i did four and a half years there wow and do you do you feel that um uh when you were done with that that your obviously your your tvq is pretty high did your career as a stand-up become very easy you know dude that's the that's the biggest mistake i made is uh when i because i moved across the country i didn't know anybody in la i didn't know any of the clubs um and uh, so, I, like, 
when I took Talk Soup, three weeks after I started, they started covering the OJ trial live yeah. in the yeah. morning. So it changed our schedule. They were they needed the studio starting at 8 a.m. So I had to be at work at like 3.30 or 4 a.m. Oh, it was like wow. having a morning show. Yeah, of course. So I was going to bed at like 8, Yeah, you know, and uh, and then getting up at like, you know, 2.30. Yeah. And, um, and so that happened, that was like nine months. So it was like I blinked and I had been out of stand-up for like a year. Yeah. And I didn't really know anybody what here. What about the weekends? Was it the type of thing like on the weekends you could maybe just... Well, I had to do a Friday show, yeah. and then I had to do, you know what I mean? So I couldn't travel Friday, so I just I couldn't fly out to just do a Saturday, you yeah. know what I mean? And and um, but I but the, you know, and, and my point is, I I really like that was me dropping the ball. Like I was so into what I was doing with television, I was so excited with what we were doing that um, I sort of lost interest in stand-up. I've yeah. been doing it for eight years, and I, 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 I let it drop, and it cost me, you know, because all the guys that I started out with that never stopped are, you know, fucking playing arenas now. Yeah, you of know? course. And I don't, I can't even, you know, I'm doing Magooby's Joke House <laughs> in fucking Baltimore this Wait, weekend. you know the book at Magooby's Joke House? Uh, I am, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I this, the November 1st through the 3rd, I will be at Magooby's oh, Joke that's a real House place. in Maryland. Yeah, that that's a like fucking- That sound like the stereotype. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I will. Yeah, it is a stereotypical place, and I will be there. And I, but I don't draw. I don't, you know, because, you know, people know me from uh, Wipeout, but those are kids. They don't come to comedy clubs, and you've yeah. seen my act. It's not like I'm, you know, doing. Uh, well, know, puns that, that is a really interesting. That's an interesting thing to talk about because uh, a lot of people are sort of cr- trying to crack the code on what a draw is now. Right. Because it doesn't necessarily if you're a. Like, there's a, a recent stand-up, I'm not going to name names, but he's a TV and a movie star, a big guy. He works here. Well, okay, Jeremy Piven, right? Um, who's who's kind of new to stand-up. And um, he has a draw, but it's not like he'll draw like Chris D'Elia does at right. a lot. You know, you don't put Jeremy Piven and sell out. you got to earn your draw. I mean, yeah. you really have to earn your draw, and you have to... I mean, my understanding is you earn your draw by um, hitting the same market, you know, twice a year for 10 years until the people that go to comedy clubs in that place have seen you and told their friends, you know what I mean? Like people have to, it has to be a word of mouth thing because I feel in like- that pe- region. In yeah, the, because yeah. I feel like people have been burned too many times by going to see a guy that they've seen on TV and then they suck, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so- you know, I can go and have a great fucking hour, and it you know doesn't necessarily translate into ticket sales for yeah. people. Yeah. So you after know? you after you did talk soup, you you got back immediately into the stand up scene. Was that no? Like- I got I went from I went from talk soup to a bunch of other television gigs. I went, uh, you know, I I left talk soup to work for ABC, and then I had a couple of deals that didn't go, and then I. Uh, I had a show on Spike TV for a while. I had a show on fucking TV Guide Channel for a while, and then back on Wipeout. I was out of stand-up so, for 16 years. Yeah, this also there's a lot of people who they become financially viable. Is that the word I would look for? And they have families, and a lot of like really famous actors or comics. They kind of go, "What's the point of getting back on stage and setting myself up for potential bombing and humiliation?" Yeah, like I mean, you, feel, you certainly feel like, oh man, I like I, 
I, dude, I just went back to stand up a few years ago. Oh, like, really? I've only been I've only been back on stage really for maybe four or five years now. Yeah, and I don't do that much stand up, you know. But yeah. for me, it was like, you know, it wasn't as much about uh, avenue of income because I can't generate like there's just so much more money in TV. You know what I mean? Sure. But but I. Um, I wanted to go back just to, I think, prove to myself that I could still do of course, it. You know of course. what I mean? And, and um, you know, you just like watch enough people and you're like, I want to fucking show that I can. I yeah. still have chops. You yeah, know? I've, I, I've always you've always killed every time I've seen you, you. You always do well. Well, I mean, thank you, dude. I mean, I, 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 I wish I had the eye of the tiger that I had when I was um, younger, you know, because yeah. like, I don't know, I think to be. I'm a good comic, but if you want to be a really great comic, you have to be maniacal. You have to do it, eat, sleep, and breathe it. You have to be on stage all the time. You have to go fucking hang out at the club when you don't have sets and, you know, put in your time. And I'm just not one of these dudes that can spend 30 hours a of week course. at the comedy store. Yeah, I can't do it. I just, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm probably not as good as I could be. Let's stop. Let's stop for a second. Let's stop for a second. We got to stop for a second. All right, so uh, so how did Wipeout come about? Because so you said you were sort of out of the scene for for stand up, and then uh, and then Wipeout obviously was a big change of direction for you. Uh, you know, it was I I, I was uh, my now wife and I were dating, and I um, uh, I just gotten out of a job. I'd done like two and a half years on a show and a Daily Show, and and uh, you were on the Daily Show? No, on a Daily Show, okay, like sorry. a five day a week show. <laughs> um, and uh, and um, and we were getting ready to go to Europe for a while because, you know, <laughs> when you're out of a job, you go to Europe. <laughs> go to Europe. Um, and, uh, and then I got a phone call saying, hey, they're doing this, you know, show with, you know, they just want to basically, it's people doing dumb shit on video and they want people to make fun of it. Yes. And, and uh, it was your first reaction. I'm an artist. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I, I went, OK, all right, sure. So I went in and I did the audition. It was like they showed you a clip of people running the course. I watched it once through and they were like, all right, you just, you know, improvise. There was no script. It was just improvise. It was like two and a half, three minutes long. And I improvised and they were like, do you want to do it again? And I went, nope. <laughs> and uh, and I left the next day for Europe. And I was like, I fucking know the way this business works that I'm you're gonna, gonna be in it. europe yes no not that i was gonna book it my fear was i'm gonna go to europe and they're gonna call and go we'd really like to see him again of course and i'm gonna have to cancel my trip and come home early and not get it yeah you know what i mean yes. like that's yes. like the very la of story course. oh i know well and uh and so uh uh actually you will appreciate this so uh i had been married once before uh -huh. and uh i was in paris it was about 2.30 in the morning, and the phone rang, and it was my ex-wife. And she goes, I just wanted you to know I just became vice president of ABC. And I was like, fuck, man, I'm up for a job at ABC. And she goes, <laughs> I know, that's why I wanted to oh, let you know. Wow. And I hung up the phone with her, and I called my manager, and I went, can you fucking believe that my ex-wife is now vice president of ABC? And he goes, uh, are you sitting down? And I was literally in the toilet, so I didn't wake my girlfriend. <laughs> and I go, I am sitting down. And he goes, you just booked Wipeout. And I, oh, I wow. was quiet for a second. I go, that is the only thing you could have said to make me feel better right now. Of course. Like, because if you, you know, didn't get it, you'd have been like, that bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so that obviously was, you, your marriage ended on good enough terms that 
That... I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, um, no. It was she was vice president of my department of alternative nuts. series and specials for five of the seven years that I was. So on you that worked show. with her that whole time. Uh, she didn't directly oversee the show, but yeah, I mean, it was like as I like to say, I would go to work and come home and take my paycheck and send it to my boss. Like it That's was, crazy. you know, I was still paying alimony. It was fucking. Oh, you were nuts. paying alimony. Yeah. Even though she was yeah. the VP at ABC. Yeah. I mean, it's like the kind of shit that just needs to be stopped legislatively. <laughs> like, this is, we need a fucking million man march on Washington to stop that shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, that's but no, it ended up, it ended up all right. And, um, but no, it was, uh, it was just sort of, it was sort of a fluky thing. I went on the audition, just did it once and then doing it. So, Wipeout, by the way, Wipeout is one of those shows like, you know, people can go, oh, Wipeout. But that show was, funny at times and it was really it was impossible not to watch it was uh, it was a very easy it was i think the thing that made that show so popular was that that kind of physical comedy just sort of transcends ages and yes, you know socioeconomic backgrounds like everyone likes to watch somebody get smoked you know yeah, what i mean course. and so uh it was just sort of a it was like a universal kind of physical comedy very yeah, silly yeah. and 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 uh i'm curious too cuz abc is obviously very i think of all the networks it's it's sort of a very pc cuz it's very disney. family friendly yeah well, it probably I wasn't mean, disney at the time right yeah no it's disney and it was i mean it was we were you know that was the big challenge was how can you take like mainstream eight o'clock family that show was for seven consecutive years the number one co-viewing show on tv meaning parents watching it with their children oh wow um like even more so than america's funniest yeah yeah so it was like a challenge of how do you make it funny yes so we were like trying very hard to like entertain kids and then like fire fastballs over kids' heads every once in a while of and course, do jokes of that just parents would get, you know. Yeah, and who's your co host for that show again? John Anderson. John Anderson. And the lovely Jill Wagner. Yeah. Did you um did you write your own material for that or was stuff given to you from writers? No, I mean well, I mean we had writers. Um well, it's reality television, so there were no writers. They were comedy producers. <laughs> so nobody had to get uh, residuals or, or uh be of course. But of course. um Classic. but no, we had like uh, we had a great team and and um, but no, I ran I, you know, I ran the writing room. And, and so oh, wow. we, we like that was the majority of my job was okay. not the green screen stuff, but just. You so know. give me an example of something, because this must have come up where there was a joke, like a softball right there. And you're like, I want to say this, but the censors won't let this happen. Or We got into a real we learned over the course of a few years. So like um, there were nine different executives on Wipeout that had the authority to kill any joke. Nine different people Nine had people. veto power over every joke. And there was no, it's not a sitcom, so there was no like table read. They didn't, it wasn't like we would just either mail the script out or there would be uh, a, like they would take a video of uh, of whatever run we were talking about and they would have the editor read the temp tracks so you're relying on an editor to sell your jokes you know what i mean yeah and everybody got it separately it was just emailed to them so wow. you know if we're all sitting here and you don't think a joke is funny but you hear six other people laugh you'll be like oh well, i guess it's all right yeah but if you're just sitting in your room and you read it literally yeah. off of your laptop of course and somebody just writes like question marks can we beat this joke and <laughs> See it's me like it's class. out yeah you know oh it's out it's yeah. out like there was no appeals process it was just, so we wrote like 10 jokes for every joke that made it into the script and it oh, became wow. so frustrating that we just started um 
you know, there were a couple of tactics that we used. If you had a joke that was borderline, we would write five jokes that were way over the line. Oh, good hoping call. all right, they'll kill these jokes and maybe this joke would slip through. And if and then towards the last couple of seasons, if we 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 were smart enough to go, all right, if we really like a joke. I would say don't put it in the script. You know, I will miraculously improvise that the okay, day yeah. of the shoot. I was going to ask that. And then people could see the delivery, and then a lot of times the laughter would carry it, and they would get through. Okay, know? yeah. But um, but no, they you know like the big thing was you couldn't joke about people getting hurt, which is what you know I always wanted to do. Um, <laughs> like you know, wait, why couldn't you joke about people? That was the whole point of the they show. Did, yeah. didn't, no, that was like no, people don't get hurt. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> like there was we we there was a you know if you wiped out so people would wipe out so bad that their back would bend uh-huh. and they would kick themselves in the back of the head Ooh. like the soles of their feet would touch the back of their head. Yeah, and we called that a scorpion. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I watched a woman scorpion so bad that I was positive she was dead like <laughs> absolutely positive she was dead and it looked so brutal that i had written the joke because it was like i put so much thought into how can i get around yeah. this so the joke that i wrote was uh, oh my god do we need to get new jobs now oh and then she got god. up and started running i was like nope we're good and they were like nope can't do it I, go, I, don't, do I, don't say any, I don't say anything about oh, spinal injury god. i don't say paralysis they were like nope no nope, it's too far oh wow because people got fucked up people, doing that there show. must have been I mean, you know, the the low hanging fruit, no pun intended, like people get hit in the balls. I mean, all the time. How do you address dude? It's I mean, I like, you know, I always laugh because like (laughs) this is the perfect wipeout story for me. A buddy of mine is a uh, excuse me, a magician. And I I saw him and he goes, uh, oh, hey, a buddy of mine ran the wipeout course. And I go, uh, oh, no kidding. How do you do? And he goes. Broke his femur real bad. (laughs) Still walks with a limp. in a lot of pain. And I was like. Okay, will you tell him I said hi? You know, like I mean, yeah, dude, people people got fucked up. And so you did wipe out for seven years, you said? Seven years, yeah. Seven years. That seven show- years, but it was like two of those years we did a summer season and a winter season, so it was kinda like nine yeah. seasons, yeah. you know what I mean? Now after seven years, did it did the show end? I forgot the history of Wipeout. Yeah, Wipeout ended a few years ago. Did now. it end because of broken femurs? No, or? thank God, no, no, no. They just uh, they you know they ABC has a habit of like um, uh, like they did this with Millionaire, you know, Millionaire who wants to be a millionaire who, yeah, became huge. a giant hit, and then they fucking put it on five nights a week at eight o'clock. You know, oh, like they just it, it was just too much of a good thing, and they burned it out with Regis. They ruined it. You know, and then it just went into syndication like it was, you know, the expression light but burns twice as bright burns half as long. So we did a winter version and our first episode on the winter season that we did had 13 million viewers, like over 13 million viewers. And they lost their mind and they were like, you have to do spring season and then into. So we were on twice a week at 8 p.m. for nine consecutive months and then after that we just like our you know it was just like a slow decrease in ratings of course of course you know it was just too much do you think that has to do with the rise of the internet and that sort of like subverted i mean i think you know it's just like 
you know, they just can't help themselves. If they have a show that works, of they course. just, you know, there were a lot of holes in the schedule the and they're just like, plug it in, plug it in. It's still airing and repeats now on ABC. Of course it like is, Like, it's yeah. like at 1230 at night. It's and you do ABC. get, even though it's reality, you get residuals from that, I'm hoping. Yeah. Okay, good. But so, it's not like sitcom residuals. So after, it's not but, like the, <laughs> yeah, I know. you know. So after you, I've heard about those, never got them. So after you, I did Kevin Can Wait and then it canceled like literally after my episode. So, um, uh. After you left, the show kept going. Did no, you leave we, on your own? no, no, no. That was the end of Wipeout. That was the end of Wipeout. Wipeout ended, I think, in like 2013, 2014, yeah. maybe. And was that a bittersweet thing? Were you like, no? I mean, it was it, it, like, it was such a good run, like seven years in a, on a gig, and I've been so spoiled. You know, it was like how you know, yeah, that's a long fucking time. Uh, to yeah. do that show and and um, I remember like when the guy the executive producer the creator called me it was like hey they're not bringing us back and I was like well at least it ended before we killed anybody yeah you know like, <laughs> no, for sure you know that was like I was like all right you know I mean it was hard to be bitter about it it had been such a good run I would not be surprised and this could be wishful thinking but I wouldn't be surprised if it comes back absolutely one day, um, just because there's no new ideas and uh, <laughs> yeah and I hear people say you know all the time when's Wipeout coming back and I heard a couple of years ago that there was sort of like a whisper campaign of I'm sure you know, should we bring it back but it's such an expensive show to do that like you can't do like well let's just do six episodes and see how it does this summer you have to like build the course and shit and it's such a monumental financial investment you had to do 16 episodes yeah um so i don't know maybe. I, I feel like i feel like the 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 torch was taken by american ninja warrior to a degree I mean, yeah well they just put a spin on it i mean they just made it a legitimate athletic uh you know uh competition you yeah know? what do you think like of that show i don't really watch it i mean i've seen it you know yeah. but um you know, you can't compare it. I mean, ours was a comedy. You know, we were like, we had, you know, it was like on our show, it was like, whoa, housewife, buck 90. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, five foot two. Yeah, I got a good feeling about this. Because Matt know? Iceman, who does American, he's also a comic. Right. So but it's like, but it's, I mean, I don't know. Is it a comedy? Do they do jokes or is it like, it's like a real athletic competition. I, I can't watch it because these people are so fit. It just makes me feel like a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> I mean, you just know. the fact that like people are good at it to yeah, me is exactly. less it's funny you know what thing. i mean yeah. um but you know totally valid i mean good for them they you know uh, it was like they were watching our star crest and they found a spin off of it that's the way everything works i don't yeah. hate them now and so after after wipeout ended 2014 that's sort of when you started getting back into stand-up yeah right? right around then i was like well i gotta do something to stay off the streets have you found <laughs> that coming off of a like a family program and having to write in that way for such a long time, has that affected your jokes on stage? Um, only my ability to write. Like, I, you know, like when I went back to stand-up, it was like after writing family-friendly jokes for seven years, I was like, I didn't go back to stand-up to not swear. You yeah, know what I mean? Like I, you get it out of your system. Like, I'm going to do all the shit that I haven't <laughs> been able to do for seven years. That's you awesome. know what I mean? Um, but the one thing that I've, like... You know, Talk Soup was a daily show. I did like over 1,100 episodes of Talk Soup. And then, you know, Wipeout we was just so, there was so much writing. And when I was a comic before, when I started out, 
I was a very undisciplined writer. I just like, if I said something funny, I'd write it down. I'd talk it out on stage. I'd improvise and find bits that yeah. way. I didn't really like sit down and devote time to writing. But when you get a job on a television show and there are deadlines and you're terrified that if you don't write something good, you're going to have to do something shitty on TV, <laughs> uh, th you know, it's motivating. And so, you know, it's it's like, you know, it's like anything. It's just the more you do something, the easier it gets. So it's it, yeah, for me, it was just like. Uh, it was like working out a muscle, you know, and joke writing. You, you just the more you do it, the more you you learn certain joke structures and rhythms. You find your voice. You know, uh, you know, uh, the, you, you know, you know how to do it better. So if anything, going back to stand up was much easier for me, I would sense, say yeah. afterwards. I, now, I, I say all that. I will acknowledge I don't write anywhere near as much stand up as I should. Um, but but when I sit down to write, I can, you know, it's like I could just pick a subject and sit down and write it. And a lot of it might be shit, but I can sit down and start writing faster and generate more material than I ever did. When now, was, I was there a moment after you started doing stand up after Wipeout where you were on stage and you just ate it like you 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 bombed and you were like, you know what? Maybe I should go back to reality television. This isn't for me. <laughs> I because mean, right I, now I'm not hearing any obstacles in your story. It kind of pisses me off. No, have, no, no, no. You have an ex-wife I mean, and that's look, it. I, it, no, it was like I had <laughs> enough stand-up experience to not uh, necessarily bomb, but yeah. I, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was, I, it was. What, you've never, you never bombed? I mean, of I course bombed, I bombed, like but it ago. wasn't like when I went back, it was like, ooh, cold reception. Got I got to, you know, it was like I went it was to me it was less about uh whether or not i could get laughs from the audience because you learn tricks to get laughs it yeah. was more about can i earn the respect of other comics you know and that and and that i feel like the jury's out on you know what i mean like i don't feel like i've done enough heavy lifting as a comic like i would you know one day i'd like to shoot a special and if i could get serious about it put together you know an hour that i felt like was worth taping or even a half hour special but like you know I probably hold myself to a much higher standard of now course. and I compare myself to guys that I started out with who never stopped that are worlds beyond me. You know what I mean? So, um, I feel like I'm a good comic, but, uh, but no, it wasn't, I, I it was great to, I rediscovered my love of stand up when I went back to it. You yeah. know what I mean? It was like, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was great to go back to it. It was refreshing. It was exciting. I got that charge from it that, um, that, you know, I had sort of lost when I found television talk soup was so much fun and doing sketch comedy and yeah. having a TV show to do every day that, um, you know, stand up sort of felt like an etch a sketch that I'd had since I was 10 and fucking TV was like a PlayStation 4. And I was like, yeah. fuck that. I just want to do this. You yeah, know? yeah. So stamp has obviously been going without a hitch, no bombs. What the fuck? <laughs> no, dude. But, uh, I fucking eat it all the time, especially on the well, road. Give us a good know? story of an example. You know, I'm sure you read the book Born Standing Up, Stephen, yeah. uh, Stephen Martin. I don't know why the fuck I said Stephen, Stephen Martin. His birth name. But part of that, he talked about his his fame from doing King Tut and all that stuff. He would go on stage and people would be like, do the do the arrow on the head," and they would sort of request things and right. make them. I mean, were you ever going on stage and people were like, "I'll wipe out"? And I will tell you this: I like I feel like when people know you from television, there can be, and I don't necessarily get this as much anymore. But like. When I went back to, there was a period when I was on Talk Super, I was, I was preparing for Montreal Comedy Festival. Sure. I hadn't done stand-up in a few years. And I was going on around town, 
and I was just murdering, and I didn't really deserve it. Like, they knew me from TV. They gave me the benefit of the doubt. They were laughing during setups. You know, they were sort of letting me win. You know what I mean? And then I went to Montreal, and I didn't do that great. Really? I mean, I did okay, but I didn't do what I was doing here. Yeah. And I realized it's because they don't fucking know me in Canada. I'm not the guy from Talk Soup in Canada. I'm just another comic. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like it was, there is sort of like a, you know, like, you know, Piven's doing stand-up. And it's like, you know, people know who he is. They want him to be funny. They're rooting for him. You know what I mean? And and Jerry Seinfeld talked about this, too. Uh, Can you pick up that name? Thanks. Uh, (laughs) That... I agree with you that you get a benefit of the doubt, but for five minutes maybe. Yeah. Or two minutes. When you're minutes. doing an hour, it's Because if you're famous and you're like, oh, 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 my God, and you go up there and three minutes into it, you haven't got, you haven't said something funny, it almost makes them matter. They're like, yeah. fuck you. So yeah. you still have to deliver. I did I did a show in, Adl- was it Atlanta maybe? Um, and, uh, and I remember... Like it was one of those shows. It was there was very few people there. Couldn't have been more than twenty or thirty people there, and I was really working for these people. And you know, you do an hour on the road, and I, m- my whole act sort of builds to this long speed read rant, and uh, and it's it's, you know, it's a it's difficult bit, you know, and um, and so I do this whole long speed read ramp build up, got to the end. And there was silence. <laughs> I mean, silence. And I was furious, dude. Yeah. I was furious. And I like, I snapped, you know? Yeah. Like, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not proud of this, but I was like, I was like, are you fucking serious? Nothing. Yeah. I just did that entire fucking thing and you guys are just staring at me. Are you <laughs> fucking so kidding me? Funny. And, uh, and I got off stage and, uh, and uh, somebody from the audience uh, wanted me to take a picture, and they were like, "Hey, are you all right, man? You <laughs> seem like you got really mad at the end." I was like, "No, nah, it's not. It's not you guys. I'm just, you know, I'm sorry. I apologize." And then later that night, I got a tweet from somebody, and they were like, "Bro, are you okay, man? Holy you seemed shit. that's so funny. really mad." And I was like, uh, "I gotta tuck that <laughs> shit in, man, because you can't blame the audience." You know? I know, I know. I mean, sometimes I feel like I, I get fake mad at the audience, like right. I did tonight. I was like, "If you didn't laugh at that joke, eat a fucking no, dick. dude." This was mad, mad. This I was like, mad, mad. "Yeah, you really, I, this was switched." Yeah, this was dad losing his temper at fucking Thanksgiving dinner, kind of mad. I used to because uh, I do, I do like a lot of physical comedy, sort of, and I and, and I would. And I would talk about this with Chris Lee a lot. Like, we'd have jokes where at the end of the joke, we, we're lying on the stage. Like, we fall. Right. Like, the joke ends with, like, oh, and then you fall down. If you have a joke where you fall on the ground <laughs> and you don't get an applause break, you have to stand. It's a long You have to stand to back, back up, up to again. silence. Yeah, it's a long time. Which is the most time. humiliating thing yeah. on the fucking planet. It's a long recovery. Oh, yeah. God. I used to have, like, four jokes where I'd... F- I would do a roll or I would do the worm or some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the way, this is why we should we should give the microphone to, to Wiley, too. Wiley, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to let this dude take my spot. Oh, no. no we we got to close out with you because uh, uh, we have, I have a couple more questions. Uh, what um, 
so what's next for you? Because you, you've kind of come back. I feel like you've earned the respect, and you, you have the name, and you're doing great at the Laugh Factory. So what do you, what do you, you say you want to do a special, but is there something else where you go, this is where I want to land? Um, you know, dude, I, I, like, I've been very fortunate enough to, uh, very fortunate to do a bunch of other things. I mean, I, I um, so I host uh, stuff for Food Network now. In fact, oh. the finale of a show that I was on on Food Network just aired tonight. What's it called? It's called... Thank you for asking. It's called uh, it's called Halloween Baking Championship. My agent calls and she goes, "Do you want to do this Halloween Baking Championship on Food Network?" I go, "I don't know what's it called." She goes, "Halloween Baking Championship." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, sure. Could they make the title a little longer, please?" <laughs> um, but no, it's a lot of fun. I, I've done a few things on. Uh, I've been on Food Network for a few years now, and, and um, uh, so I do that. And then uh, I just did a pilot uh, for a show that I <coughs> developed a new show. And, is um, it reality or is it acting? Do you want to be an act? Is acting something that interests you? I mean, you? I, you know, I'll do whatever the fuck. I'll cut cheese cubes at craft services if the <laughs> money's right. I don't give a shit. Um, but now I got a, I've been working on, um, I have a uh, scripted project uh, that I'm a producer on that I've been working on for years. Oh, very cool. Very different story uh, um, uh, based on a, a true story of a, a FBI undercover agent, a guy that spent 27 years undercover, guy that I know. I sold wow. years ago to Steven Soderbergh, and um, you could put that right next to uh, Seinfeld <laughs> on the ground. Um, but uh, so no, that's like a scripted show that I get. You know, I get to I get to work on that. You know, oh, that's happening. Well, it's. I mean, we got a pilot, and we're getting ready to we're getting ready to take it out. I'm really happy with it. It's um, amazing. And um, it's always funny to go into meetings and you know on a project like that and sit next to a dude like that. And just <laughs> like, see the look like on murdered people. people or something. Well, no, I'm talking about like Soderbergh. Like when you're sitting oh. in a room with somebody like fucking the people that I'm working with on this, and you s sit down in a meeting and you just see this like you see the thought process of people being like, <laughs> "Hey, what's the talk soup guy doing here?" You know what I mean? Like everybody's looking at me like, "What the fuck is happening?" I'm waiting for people to just be like, "Black two sugars, thank you yeah, very much." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like nobody has any idea why I'm there. Of course, but know? like everything else in the business, like once you establish yourself in that realm, then it's like Woody Harrelson. He was on Cheers and he did Natural Born Killers. People were like, "What the fuck?" And he murdered it. So Dude, as long as you do well, it doesn't matter. If you, I, this is I've been working on this project for twelve years if you had ever fucking told me that i could have a project with a two-time academy award-winning <laughs> director for 12 years and it wouldn't have been made yet i would have put a fucking gun in my mouth yeah. it's like you know it's it's uh i'm in it for the long haul but uh no dude i've been very fortunate uh to do a bunch of different things so i you know that's why i always just try to like just keep writing, keep working on yeah. other things. And then, um, and then, you know, if I can, I feel like if I can keep stand up as like my treat, something that I do for yeah. fun, as opposed to having to be on the road all the time, like I, you know, it's hard being away from my kids and of shit. Of course, and, of course. Know, well, that's know, great, but man. you know, Magoobies calls and you gotta <laughs> go. Well, at least they call. You don't have to like call them. <laughs> so what do you have to, do you have anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, yeah, dude, I will on uh, November 1st through the 3rd this weekend. I will be at McGooby's Joke House in McGooby's Timonium, Joke Maryland. 
Um, and uh, and then uh, I got some. Uh, I got a gig coming up, and uh, I do some um, corporate work and uh, yeah, and Cabo, and I do some charity work. I go down there. Oh, and corporate host rope them. and Cabo. Okay, yeah, it's it's the struggle is real, man. I'm doing yeah, the Lord's sure. work, man. I do. Uh, I every year for now for seven years, I have hosted a fundraiser for an orphanage in Cabo San Lucas, which is an awesome yeah. uh, thing. Uh, Casa Hogar. If you ever want to donate money to it, they give uh, get a hundred percent of their um they get no money from the government so they exist solely on on donations wow. every year we raise over 100 uh, or 500,000 dollars for them wow. in like an hour and a half that's amazing really really wealthy people dude. yeah really really wealthy people um yeah. but no dude i've been very fortunate and you'll see me at this club across the street you know yeah, i'll be uh, following your time. fucking 20 hey minutes man i gotta joke. tell you something you're, you're yeah <laughs> You're great, and you're obviously a good guy and inspiration. And please come back when you fail at something, I, so uh, we can listen, actually talk about uh, that. A once. lady literally ra- in the front row raised her hand and asked a question during my literally like <laughs> raised her hand. <laughs> the lady sitting right down front, like what if she you're say? Sitting, she was sitting right here on the. Uh, she goes, I do a bit about not farting in front of my wife or something, yeah. and she raises her hand and she <laughs> goes, Your wife hears you fart when you when you sleep, and I was like, What are you talking about? <laughs> and she went through this whole. Th- I mean, I don't know. It was really strange. She had. I wasn't exactly sure what her point was, um, <laughs> but it it didn't. Uh, Maybe she knows your wife. Well, yeah, that's what I said. I was like, <laughs> you know. Um, but then, of course, I just teed off on her for a little while and yeah, yeah. wrapped it up. <laughs> yeah, it was really strange. I've never seen somebody raise their hand like a fucking kid probably, asking for a bathroom She's probably pass. Canadian or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know what her story was, but I feel bad for the guy that was with her because he was like scooting his chair <laughs> over like, I don't fucking, I don't know this broad, you know. Um, but, dude, thanks for having me, man. Of this course, has been son. great. Thank you very You're much. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. I'll see you around, man. All thanks right, for coming to later, the Afterlife. Bye-bye. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>